I'm Matt Swain, and you're listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast, where we discuss the opportunities and challenges facing companies on the road to optimizing their communications for the future. Today, I'm joined by Pat McGrew, Senior Director of Production Software and Services at Keypoint Intelligence Infotrends, also host of Print Sample TV and co-host of a podcast with a very provocative title, Is Print Dead? Pat, thank you very much for joining me today. It is always my pleasure to join you, Matt. I mean, we never get enough chance to talk together, so this is really ideal. Excellent. And, and I think it's it's great having you on because with your background, I mean, three decades plus, you probably don't want me to say that, but an, an evangelist for technology and communication. You've owned a software company. No, I am, hold on. Yeah, yeah. I am a very proud 61-year-old. Okay. So it is okay to talk about more than three decades of experience in this industry. <laughs> All right. So let's recap some of what's happened in those three decades. So you've owned a company that did high-speed printer data stream transforms. So owning a company is not for the faint of heart, and owning a company right after the stock market crashes is even more fun. So we began a company called Gentext, my business partner and I, back in 1989 and caught that recession that, that happened right at the start of the 90s, just absolutely right on time. But we had this idea that things were changing in the information delivery industry and very specifically in the industry that Broadridge is in. We were working at a company that was a software provider primarily to insurance companies and we, some of them were innovative ones. We're talking about delivering online and delivering to people's screens. And this is before people had smartphones. Right, so right. we weren't talking about that yet. But, you know, a big topic at that time was electronic paper. Xerox had a big e-paper initiative going. Several others did. And we had this idea that all this mainframe-driven data and information and billing was going to change somehow, and we wanted to get on board. We'd written a book for Macmillan called In-House Publishing in a Mainframe Environment. And out of that, we started to get a lot of phone calls from the big banks, the big insurance companies, wanting to know how to get there. So we leveraged a lot of credit cards. And we leveraged a lot of our bank accounts and our family's bank accounts. And we created Gentex to promote the development of customized high-speed printer data stream transforms. It took a village to create the printer data stream environment that we all ended up relying on for many years and still do today. So Pat, that's served as a really interesting foundation for some of the, the other work that you've done, whether it was as director of document strategy for Pitney Bowes Management Services or as data-driven communication segment evangelist at Eastman Kodak or customer engagement evangelist for the HP PageWide Web Press Group. Talk to me a little bit about the relationships that you've developed over that time and how those markets have evolved in over the past three decades. So here's the really fun thing. I still talk to customers that I originally was talking to when I was at Pitney Bowes, when I was at Kodak, for all the years I was at HP. I typically work in a job that sits between the technology and the print service provider or the implant and act as a translator. Evangelist is a good title because very often what I'm trying to do is convince members of staff that... Uh, this new technology that has just invaded their life, 
is is okay and it's safe and it's reliable. But the other thing is to try and help them find ways to make money with this technology that they've invested in. And from from Pitney Bowes through Kodak and HP, the the it is very consistent about the kinds of customers who invest in new technology is that they're all optimists. They all absolutely know when they make that investment that they got it figured out. They're not worried about writing that check because they, they've gotten their staff on board. They know what applications they're going to drive. They know where their cost savings are going to be. They believe that they've got their arms wrapped around their workflows. They've got it covered. About six or eight months into the adventure with the new technology, and that it's true no matter what the technology is, there's typically a bump that happens in the road. The, the low-hanging fruit they've handled, but they start to understand that there's opportunity that they're missing and that they're still living with one foot in the past. And so I can come in as a neutral third party, regardless of what brand I'm wearing, and, and I can help them draw the line from here's your team, here are their talents, here are your customers, here are the things you are selling them and you're not selling them, and here's what this great investment you've made can help you do to realize higher profitability and higher margins for everybody. And I mean, can there be a better job in the world? (laughs) I don't think so. Well, there must be a better job in the world. Talk to us about your current role at Keypoint Intelligence <laughs> Infotrends. So this is my second turn with the Infotrends team. And so I came back to take over the role of Senior Director of Production Software and Services. And it is a, a role that lets me touch everything in the industry that I really think is cool. So Matt, if you're asking me if this is a better job than the, the evangelist job, I got to tell you that they're neck and neck right now. Because there's a certain part of the evangelism aspect that I don't get in my current job that I miss, but there are so many learning opportunities and the opportunities to share in my current role that it's a pretty darn good job too. Yeah, and I think the the interesting thing about the two, if you compare the two, one is evangelize a market with a specific product or set of products that you know better than than others potentially. And another is that 30,000 foot view where you get the insight into what's happening across all of these organizations, which puts you in a really interesting position to be able to tell us, you know, what's what's happening across the vendor, provider, enterprise, and end customer space that that, you know, where's the conversion happening to result in new approaches to how we think about our printed and digital communications. It's absolutely true. The other thing that I think is always imperative in any kind of market research job is just innate curiosity. I am avid about new and evolving technologies. So when augmented reality first came into my life, when I was standing on a floor at Drupa and all of a sudden it was, you know, my job to be uh, using augmented reality and I'd never had any experience with it. You know, you jump in with both feet and you run. And, and it's just been so cool. And the same with virtual reality, the same with 
you know, leveraging those technologies for commercial purposes and for brand purposes. And then on sort of the more business vendor side, leveraging artificial intelligence and the use of AR and VR within the manufacturing process, leveraging new technologies to provide data out that's actually actionable by the owners of the equipment in the print shops that are trying to understand every dial and knob that they have to work with. There, There's an awful lot of really cool stuff going on. So one of those areas that that you love to talk about is workflow, whether those are marketing or business essential. I'd be really curious to hear how workflows are evolving to support the the future of communications. So you have to start at the basics. You know, workflow is getting a job into production and out the door in the agreed amount of time. And that's at the highest level, that's your definition. But it has just a lot of moving parts. And in most shops that we talk to, that we go in and do workflow assessments with, and the ones that we talk to on the phone, the single biggest bottleneck in, in any workflow is bringing a job from the point where the job has been agreed to the point where it's getting into production. The front end of the workflow is still a bit of a, of a challenge, but the back ends of most workflows are actually very efficient now. Most of the hardware and software vendors have worked very well together to create an environment where once you know what the job is, what the assets are, where the data is coming from, what, what the print file format needs to be, and making sure that your color management is handled appropriately and, and you kind of shoot the gun off and, and say, okay, you are now in production. Most of that back-end workflow production is, is actually very, very well handled. Now, you asked about what's changing and, and what's evolving. Now, if you're an omni-channel provider, if you're someone providing both print and perhaps delivery to mobile phone and delivery to a screen environment or a tablet environment, that changes your workflow. And it changes it in, in big ways if you're doing it correctly. If you have built a master workflow correctly, you should only need one workflow and it should be able to handle any new output environment and any new attachment to that environment that you could possibly come up with or that anyone else will dream of. So if you're going to start adding augmented reality to your bills and statements to do or explainer videos or personalized video solutions, all of that should be contained in one single master workflow. The best practices that I've seen in organizations I've seen do it best have one master workflow with subset workflows that address the different issues that come up with the different output technologies. So as more and more workflows are going to be involved with dealing with augmented reality, the assets that come with augmented reality, the assets that come with virtual reality, the, the assets that come with personalized videos. I think there's still a lot of work to do. I think that all the major workflow vendors are still sort of scrambling to understand how it is they're going to become a link to a digital asset management system, right? Damn systems become hugely important in the, the new and evolving world of delivering communication that includes multimedia assets. So there's still a lot of work to do in workflow. It, it's not a done deal. So talk to me about your Is Print Dead podcast. 
It's an interesting title. But what are some of the more interesting discussions relative to marketing and essential communications that you guys talk about in there? So the interesting thing about Is Print Dead, it's actually something I do with Kevin Crane, who I've worked on and off with for years. And Kevin used to be the the print manager for one of the big Blue Cross organizations. He's lived the dream of running a production print shop. But then he's also done an awful lot of work with enterprise content management. And we kept having these debates about whether print was really dying or not. And and Kevin actually named the podcast Is Print Dead. And I told him, I said, you realize that we're never going to have a sponsor ever because no one wants to be associated with that name. But the funny thing is we've had a lot of guests on the podcast, people from Floor, from big educational publishers, very willing to have long conversations with us really about where they see print fitting and where they see it not fitting in the future of their information requirements. So the overall push of it was that I'm the print person of the two of us. And while Kevin has been one, he is convinced that uh, print is just going away. And his contention is that when it comes especially to regulated communication, that it's the thing that is most likely to disappear from our lives because everybody will get their bills and policies and statements and everything else that is regulated to their smartphone. And my contention is that if I look at my now 90-year-old father-in-law, I promise you he's not getting anything on a smartphone because he doesn't actually own one. And, And in fact, It's not just the 90-year-old. I know my brother is younger than I am, and he does not own a smartphone and is not in any way, shape, or form interested in getting any kind of regulated communication that is not on paper. But over the course of the episodes, if you listen to them, you'll hear us touch on all of the aspects. When is print the right communication medium? When is print not the right communication medium? And, and what kind of choices are people making? And how are people using print differently than maybe they did 10 years ago or even five years ago? We had Jimmy Vainstein on from the World Bank, just did this amazing podcast with us where we were talking about the challenges that he faces trying to communicate out to countries in Africa, countries in South America, countries in Asia, where getting paper to them is really hard. But getting information to them is essential. So they've developed a lot of virtual reality and a lot of augmented reality solutions that augment their print delivery that they do as part of their mandate of being the World Bank. So it's just one of those fun podcasts. Excellent. And in that vein, what role do you expect print is going to play in the communication space three years out, five years out, 10? Print is essential to life, and that's just a fact of life. And I kind of go back to a study that International Paper did back when I was still at Kodak, and they said that everything they could see was that the way that, especially in regulated communications, things would play out would be that a third of people would never give up paper. A third of people only wanted online communication. And a third of people wanted both because they they wanted it the way they wanted it, when they wanted it, how they wanted it. And so for the future and from international papers perspective, that was just fine because that meant that they could continue to rely on on print being out there, especially in regulated. But beyond regulated, if you look at direct mail, direct mail, you know, kind of goes up and down with the tide a bit. But direct mail is still a powerful means of communication. It works. 
it has to be well designed. It has to be well thought out. It needs to be part of a campaign. But direct mail marketing is still very, very powerful. I've worked with some customers in Europe who do some amazing direct mail using newspaper formats and magazine formats and Magalog formats are really popular. So print, it's just a very powerful essential media medium. So I just don't think it's going to go away. I think we get smarter about it. You know, I think the number of sheets in an envelope that we receive might might go down. It's definitely gone down over the last 10 years. I think that the the nature of what is put on paper is more considered than it might have been in the past. But print print's going to be around for a very, very long time. And in fact, we f- may find new applications, new types of communication that we want to do in print because we are linking it to other digital assets. You know, augmented reality only works if if you can communicate to someone. It's not that it only works with print, but it, it works very well with, with print. So I think it's going to be around for some time to come. And on that note, what advice would you have for businesses that wrestle with how to evolve their print and digital communications for the future? First, figure out what you're doing today. Very often when I talk to a print service provider or I talk to someone who is buying services from a print services provider, what they don't know is what they're actually buying. They don't have their arms around all of the products and services that they're currently using. Inside of a print service provider, it's really common for executives not to actually understand how work comes in, uh, how it moves through the workflow and how it gets back out the door and gets billed. Right. So the very first piece of advice I give to anyone in in this business is to understand what you're doing today. Understand what customers you're serving today. Understand their needs and try to identify the gaps between what they need and what you're providing. And that'll give you a pretty clear path around what you should do next. You know, do you need to add mobile delivery? Do you need to add augmented reality services? Do you need to add design services? Do you need to add digital asset management services or customer relationship management services? Understand your customers, understand their needs, and understand what services you want to be providing into the industries that you serve. Very often, that work is done when a company is formed or when a new generation takes over a family-owned business, but it's not revisited on a regular basis. That ought to be a -a once-a-year conversation with the executive team. Excellent. Well, Pat, thank you for the passion and energy that you direct toward this market. It is always my pleasure. It is my favorite thing to do is to help people make more money. I'm Matt Swain, and you've been listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast. If you like this episode and think someone else would too, please share it, leave a review, and don't forget to subscribe. To learn more about Broadridge, our insights, and our innovations, visit broadridge.com or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. LinkedIn.